This is Amy with a Y. And Amy with an I. From the Secular Soup Podcast, and we never listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore. Seriously, if we wanted to listen to white guys blather on about politics, we'd just turn on C-SPAN. Right? Dudes are the worst. Ugh. Ugh. Britney's the best part. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dolomore. everybody, welcome to the show, episode 538 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined today by the lovely, talented, scholarly co-host, Brittany Page. I was I was typing the info, and I spelt my own name wrong, so let me fix that. Wow, did you, you, you did the old Brittany Spears, or uh, only one T? Um, how badly was it misspelled? Well, how about you guess? Because apparently there's something seriously wrong with my brain if you think I did a completely different letter configuration well, in my name. Well, but just like fumble fucking the keys is not misspelling, I don't think. Well, I just forgot a T. That's the most likely one, right? Because I'm yeah, not having severe so problems. So you didn't misspell your name. I guess t- technically you did. Technically I did. Okay. Wow. Let's move on to something more important. Um <laughs> I- <laughs> you are the king of the segues. Yeah. You really know how to transition from topic to topic. Listen, I think it's important to be a direct person and <laughs> someone who gets straight to the point. Okay? Listen, it's it's one of the things I love about you. I appreciate that. So I think that we should tell a story. All right. That, Once upon a time. No, 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 no. That is going to. Oh, you have a specific story. Yes. And it's going to require <laughs> some vulnerability on both our parts because it's going to involve admitting that we have tendencies that are not so positive. I don't have a story that involves that because everything about me is top-notch. That's not true. Oh, come on, Brittany. I'm about to tell one. So here we go. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I love this. This is the stuff that I dig because one thing, I think it's instructive for me to mm-hmm. reinforce in myself, mm-hmm. I, I obviously I know the story we're going to talk about. Yeah, but it's instructive because it makes me, it cements in me the correct way to think as maybe turning it into a habit, making it part of the routine. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to start telling the story, and I'm going to discuss how everything started and what you turned to me and said and then i want you to pick it up with your memory of what i said to you about your reaction okay all right all right so we were at a restaurant we were sitting at the bar top of the restaurant and they had recently opened so people were kind of scrambling getting things together and kind of having like a loose fun time like getting ready for the work day basically or the work night because the restaurant opened at five yeah and there was a female bartender there and she had kind of passed us was like having a good time very on top of her shit we've also been there before and interacted with her before right yeah and she has a very dominant presence about her a very confident woman uh, i would say maybe even kurt yes yeah um and a- a- after a few minutes you turned to me 
and you said something like, she's really rubbing me the wrong way. Like, there's something about her that I just don't like. Yeah. And what do you remember that I said to you? I don't... Well, this is the part that we haven't really talked about. I, I, I don't remember exactly what you said, but you did say, I wonder if there are people that have the same reaction because she's a strong, dominant woman. Okay, you don't remember at all what I said. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> Shocking. Ulti- that's ultimately where we landed. Yes, but what I said was, I was sitting there having the same reaction. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I didn't say it because what I was doing was in my own head thinking to myself, okay, you're having this negative reaction to her and it's probably because she's like this very confident, dominant woman who's carrying herself like that at work. And it's like threatening or something. But no, I think it's just natural programming that we're kind of like, slow it down and know your place. Oh, you mean like uh, internalized misogyny? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was sitting there silently in my head, kind of processing all this. And I just am stupid enough to say it out loud. Not stupid enough. Just (laughs) that was, you were feeling that way too. And you said it. And then that, that gave us the opportunity to say, okay, I said, I'm feeling that way too, but here's why I think that's happening. Right. And then you were like, oh shit, that probably is what's happening for me too. Yeah. that's Well, one, it's awesome that you recollect so much more accurately than I do. That's, it's great. But, but that is, it did when you said that what you thought it could be, Mm -hmm. which I, I mean, I don't know that that's what it was, but that makes sense because then once I kind of shifted my paradigm, mm-hmm. and once I started like um, receiving her, yeah, uh, socially in, in, in from that perspective, right, then I really liked her. Yes, yes, and she did nothing fucking different because she's not privy to no. us sitting there t- gossiping about her. Right. Well, no, and that's just exactly what she was. So we started talking to her a little bit more, and she was super friendly and nice and awesome. We started talking about dogs. Yeah, still very confident and awesome. Um, but I think that that happens quite often where people have a negative reaction to somebody based on whatever biases are coming out. And they don't really stop to think, well, why am I having this reaction? Yeah, Is what, it legitimate? Right. Would I be, would I be thinking this if a man were doing this? Would uh, that's, I? That's it right there. You Th- know, that's a question that should be asked. And to really not just surface ask the question. Yeah. But to really delve into it and think about if a man was acting this exact same way, would I be like, ah, oh, yeah, bro, let's, we're having a good talk here. What a, right. what an outgoing, Right. Confident person. Yeah. Look at him. He's such an expert in, in his field and his job. He's yeah. killing it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than, whoa, take it down a few notches, you know? <laughs> know your role. Really, that's it. But I wanted to talk about this because I think people listen to us and they think like we're super <laughs> advanced when it comes to social justice or we like have a lock on all this stuff. You know, we've figured it out. And no, you know, we still fall victim to those same biases, those same prejudices. What we hope is different about us is that we're able to try to catch it, right? Before we like act on it, you know? Yeah, I think, um, I think, and, what- and analyze it and figure out what's actually going on, but then also be open about it so that people feel like it's okay to admit that they have those things too and to work on it themselves as well. Yeah, I think. What is different is is the the openness to have the conversation, the openness to be 
admit to ourselves, and not even public. I mean, we we're lucky enough to have the platform to talk about it publicly. Mm-hmm. But even in private, as private people, we where we leave ourselves the space to say, "Yeah, I was thinking about that wrong." Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with recognizing a foible within yourself right and fucking correcting it well yeah exactly because what would be wrong is saying i don't have any biases like i have figured this all out i'm not affected by any of this stuff no we're all affected by the messages that society sends to us about the things that we should believe about the way that people should behave about you know everything and and we're going to be influenced by that stuff and it's important to kind of break it down and analyze it so that we aren't Continuing to go through life treating people like shit. Yes. Or being standoffish or um, eliminating a chance to make a friend, to, to connect with another person. Absolutely. Which is it's, it, for sure 100%, Kathy, what we would have done, <laughs> what we would have done in this case. Yeah. Where we wouldn't have had the conversation. We wouldn't have connected about the dogs. We wouldn't have uh, possibly made a new friend or what. I mean, she's not our friend. but Right. Oh, she's my best friend. Wow, that's that's good to know. That's uh, good news. <laughs> no, um, yes, but I I was happy that because I was sitting there thinking it just silently and kind of working through it on my own. And then when you said something, we had the opportunity to talk about it and analyze it from both our different perspectives. The as way well. the way I remember it, it maybe it's just because I like to remember my interactions of that I partake in more positively. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that I was just making the blanket statement sh- that. She rubbed me wrong the wrong way. The way I remember it was like, I don't know why she's yeah. rubbing me the wrong. I like made a, a question yeah, out of it. Yeah, like, yeah. what is it that, because I kind of recognize there's nothing she's doing. Right. She's not being aggressive or overtly rude. Right. But something was just off. And it was me. It was, the, I was off. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, I guess I could have been more accurate about it, um, for well, sure. Any chance to not paint me in a good light, you know? No, I don't think it was painting you in a negative light. <laughs> we were both. We both had I'm these, teasing. what you could call negative thoughts, right? Where we were Absolutely. being influenced by whatever biases exist in the world about the way that women um, comport themselves. Well, I, I think that's, and we haven't really gone d- deep on this, but I think that's really the crux of this. It's it's the differences of expectations of how women behave, mm-hmm. especially, let's say, in like service or sales types of positions. Yeah. Uh, and how men do. Yeah. And if you're treating people differently, that's just intrinsically bad. Well, and what another part of what I was working through was the fact that I was having the reaction I was having. And I am the kind of woman that prompts that reaction in other people as well. And so it was almost like, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, You're like giving people the green light to treat you. Yeah. That way. I mean, if I or to think of you that way. Right. And if I don't want that to happen, I need to be a part of that, too. I need to make sure that I'm not doing that either. Are, are you saying you want to 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 be the change that you want to see in the world, Brittany Page? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. 
Yeah, so I I, I would uh, like to throw it to the audience. Did this turn into a douchey conversation, or is this still like a productive, useful thing that we just did? Of course. Why okay. would it be douchey? I don't know. As my voice jumps up and down. So, yes, we would love to hear from you guys. 657-464-7609. That is the number where you can leave a fewer than three-minute voicemail. I feel like I... Uh, can't breathe. Okay. Um, What's happening? I don't know. Also, I doubt it at dollamore.com is where you can send a voice memo that you record from your smartphone. Try to keep those under three minutes as well, right? Just because it's not going to cut you off like the Google voicemail line doesn't I'll, mean that hey, you need to record I'll, a really long I'll voice memo. I'll play the role of Google. I'll cut them the fuck off. Oh, I know you will. That's my goddamn job. Yes. Or you can send an email to us. Um, try not to make that super long. Although, if it is really long, we do read every email. We do listen to every voice memo, every voicemail that we do receive. Um, they just don't all make it to air. Yeah, they don't all make it to air just for time constraint purposes. Also, sometimes the recording we can't hear super well, things like that. So if you do not get played or we do not read your email, don't feel bad about that. It's nothing against you. Um, sometimes we just don't have time because we get quite a bit of listener communication. A lot of times it uh, doesn't inform and incorporate into the show, though. Yeah. Just based on what we talk about. Yeah. So speaking of that, let's let's go on to uh, a voicemail and continue the, the conversation. Hey, Jesse, it's Carissa. Um, I'm just sitting at home after mowing the lawn, watching some YouTube, and what pops up for your uh, 100,000 subscriber award. I just wanted to say sincere congratulations on that. I That's got to be an amazing feat, and keep up the good work. And I'm not even going to say Brittany's the best part this time. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. The Bye. original. The original. Oh, gee. Mm-hmm. Brittany's the best part. Yep. Carissa. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Carissa. It was uh, super... You got your shiny new YouTube play button. That's yes, what you got. Silver play button. For 100,000 subscribers. It took a long time because, well, not a super long time, but you're at, you're over 130 now. Yeah, yeah. So they were a little bit delayed now, on I'm getting almost, that to you. I'm almost, to, I'm closer to 150 than 100. Yeah. And uh, I get the, the play button, which yeah. is, it's a cool thing. It's not, they send it, they foot the bill, they pay for it. Yeah, it's awesome. And a uh, nice letter. Yeah, came in a, a sleek black YouTube box with an yeah. awesome letter. Yeah, I got, I got emotional. Yeah, Um. Absolutely. You know, because a lot of YouTube, and I'm not shitting on it because there's a place for it, but you know, it's unboxing videos and mm-hmm. makeup tutorials. And I guess Chick fil A versus Popeye's chicken sandwich. Yeah. I drove through all the drive throughs. Right. Watch me go through the drive throughs. Right, right. And you know, all of that serves a purpose, but I really think that I'm, I would like to think that I'm making a difference um, with the videos that are on YouTube. And th- the other thing, I wish. I wish that there was, like, I wish I could have had your name on it. Because people don't understand how fucking integral to the operation Brittany Page is. Why why do you look squirming in your chair uncomfortable? (laughs) I was actually physically squirming (laughs) in my chair. Um, Well, because I, well, I don't think that that's super fair because... Um, it is a, as you said in your video, two man operation over here, right? Um, but you write basically all the scripts, right? I've written like a couple here and there. Let's be honest. In, in the how many ever years this has been going on. Um, you know, but I do 
help you with the script sometimes, listen to you read them, give you feedback, um, help with the recording. Usually you're pulling me off the cliff that I'm being a little too aggressive. Well, whatever. And you kind of play the same role as you do here on the show. Yeah. Um, (laughs) There are like, you know, I'm in the background doing things in the background. So, well, a lot of people think that I'm just getting up there and rambling freestyle Mm -hmm. for five or six, eight minutes. Yeah. And that is a carefully researched. Read. It's a script that I read from a prompter. Yes, and you are the prompter operator. Yep. So the whole fucking thing would just crash down around my feet hadn't you decided and and been uh, gracious enough to to take part in doing what you do. Yeah, but um, I I mean, like I said, I my name doesn't need to be on that. I you have done so much work, right? It takes you sometimes all day to research and write the scripts that you write. And especially with some of the long videos that you've been doing, it's like a deep dive all day research thing. Um, you know, we film later in the day and then you're up late editing the videos. You know, I don't do any of that part. So really a lot of it, most of it is you. And so you totally, that's yours, you know? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I just, but I, I appreciate the, I, I, I the shout out. I don't want your contribution to go un, un, unappreciated or unnoticed on the YouTube channel. Fuck. I think you don't get enough credit for the goddamn podcast. This is a burr under my saddle. Is that how the saying is? I don't it know. It fucking gets on my nerves sometimes when people are like, oh, Jesse, Jesse, Jesse. It's like, hey, you know what? The fucking Britney's the host of the show. You are a, a 100%, 50% partner in this. That makes no sense, a 100%, 50%. You, you're you're as, as integral to this operation as as I am. Without well, Brittany Page, there's no fucking show. Without Jesse D, there is no fucking show. It, it is, anyway, I'm now I'm getting fired up, but it, it that gets on my nerves sometimes. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that. I'm not bitching at any, anybody specifically because I, it happens so fucking often. Yeah. Anyway, well, I think it's just your beautiful, handsome face is <laughs> right. most often yeah. featured on you know, the YouTube. You know, and- <laughs> the content has to be good on YouTube if people are subscribing because they're not subscribing for the, the devilish good looks. <laughs> I mean, I think a fair amount do. Do you read your comments? Yeah. You read your comments. Um, But we're all so happy for you and the award. And I know that that makes you annoyed, too. When I say you, you always say we. Um, But it is a time where you should pat yourself on the back and recognize the hard work. And it was a risk, right. To start doing this work with YouTube and the podcast. Yeah, We didn't know where it was going to go. We didn't know how long it was going to take for it to go somewhere, um, to start being profitable. And it really was a risk. And so it paid off. Yeah. We, we, you know, I, I said in the very short video that all we did is flip on a camera and I talked for, you know, five minutes or so. Yeah. It, that was not, I had no notes. I didn't even know what I was going to fucking say. And I, I was went. holding Popeye back from running in here. He was <laughs> desperate to get in here. He scratched my leg. Heard you talking. But, uh, I, you know, I started the Tommy Laren videos. A lot of people found the podcast because of the Tommy Laren videos. Yeah. And we've been doing the podcast for a year, almost two years longer then right at two years longer than I started on YouTube. Yeah. And I didn't do YouTube in earnest, like, like a, a, as a dedicated thing. It was like every couple of months and then maybe every, 
three weeks I would do a video. Like when a really big thing would happen. Yeah, I would wait for something viral moment to happen to do something, talk about something. Yeah. And it it really, we decided, well, if we're going to do this, we need to do it. Yeah. And, you know, it has. It has uh, turned into something very special that I love. And I have to say thank you to everybody out there. Absolutely. Who engages with the content, who who, who shares the videos, who, who, you know shouts me out on Twitter, whatever. Absolutely. All of that plays a role in the growth of the channel. Talking to your friends, hey, did you see this? Sharing it on your Facebook page. All of that shit helps to grow the channel. Absolutely. And uh, it, it, you know, I, I kind of sidetrack myself, but it does make me feel good because I do feel like I'm making a difference here. Yeah. And it is kind of under the larger umbrella like we talk about on the show all the time, moving the conversation forward. Mm-hmm. And I, I really feel like that we're doing that. Yeah. And sure, you know, you, you're eating spicy peppers or doing unboxing electrical gear. You're probably making a difference to somebody. Yeah. That shit just doesn't resonate with me. So this is what I do. And I hope I'm in some small way changing, helping people think better um, and, you know, taking Donald Trump down. Yeah. All the way down. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thanks, Carissa. We appreciate the shout out and the the phone call. We love you very much, and we appreciate you when you when you sound off. Absolutely. Hey, last time on the show, we had Jason call in, and he was asking for advice, soliciting advice about Trump family members. This seems to be something that comes up on the show very often, pretty pretty frequently. Every three or four months, someone calls in and they're just like at the end of their fucking rope. They don't know how to deal mm-hmm. with their Trump family members. And if they're Trump people at, still at this point, they're some of the diehards, which are some of the worst. So we got a couple calls. I want to talk about it. Let's start with Marissa. Hey, Justin Brittany. It's Marissa. Um, I had a message for Jason, uh, who was asking for advice on dealing with political people. So... It's, you guys phrased it as an individual choice, and to a certain point, that's true. But as a member of a marginalized group that society uh, has sort of made the decision for us in many ways, like a lot of us just have family that completely cut us off because of who we are, uh, I have a different perspective on it, which is it isn't just about you and them most of the time. When you're thinking, am I keeping this person in my life, or at least to a certain point on my social media. Beyond what upsets you, imagine how the people who fit the group that the other person is talking about, what do they see when this person comments on your post? What do they see when, you know, someone comes on your comments and is saying something awful about queer people or immigrants or black people or anything like that? Like, not only is the person likely to be hurt by that, but it also what you're willing to tolerate. And that may be unfair, but at a time when many of us have to be hyper-vigilant for purposes of, you know, survival, it's we're, we're not willing to give people a lot of rope. And I know it's not just queer and trans folks like me, but it's, you know, people who have Hispanic descent or, you know, anything like that. Like, uh, my friends of color, anytime they see a Blue Lives Matter sticker, they they block that person or they avoid that person at all costs because it's fucking terrifying right now. So my advice would be 
if you don't want to cut them off, at least get them to not comment on your page or have those conversations. And if they're unwilling to do that, they're saying that their political stances and being vitriolic towards you is more important than your relationship with them. And that should tell you all you need to know about where you stand. So just be mindful of what you're willing to tolerate and be mindful of what others see that you are willing to tolerate. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. I I I would I would caution against an outright ban of people having a conversation on Facebook. I think stifling conversation isn't the right way. I think certainly there's a limit. And maybe that's what Marissa's talking about here. That if someone is being overtly racist, overtly transphobic or homophobic, then, you know, that shit needs to fucking be squashed. Mm-hmm. But if, if, if we just stop talking to the other side altogether, as easy as, that's easy for me. That's fucking, I mean, that's, that's the light work is just cutting people off. The hard work is actually really trying to change hearts and minds. Um, now I realize we're late in the game here. And like I just said, if someone's still a Trump supporter, that's a fucking heavy lift. I just, I, I, uh, I don't know. That's a tough one for me. Yeah. It's an interesting perspective because it wasn't something that, uh, Jason brought up, right? I think he was talking more about what do I do with like face to face interactions? What do I actually do with being in contact with my family members? Like at an Independence Day barbecue. Yeah. And then they're all trumping it up. Yeah. What do you do? Um, and so I think there is more control that people have surrounding their actual posts, right? Like they can, um, like add them to the restricted list so they can't comment on their posts, but still you're, you're still friends, yeah. right? I only know that exists because that happened to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I also feel conflicted with that too, because I have had friends um, that were dicks and I used to mix it up with them and they would comment hateful things on my posts and I would still try to debate with them. And it usually I would be the one that gets deleted. So I would never make that decision. But in the cases where I did make a decision to delete somebody, it was because it then crossed into personal territory with someone else on my friends list. And when this happened most recently, I actually messaged the person that the, the comment was against. And I said, Hey, were you offended by that comment? Because I actually just deleted that person. And I just wanted to reach out to you and let you know that like, I'm bummed that that happened or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, oh, wow, I didn't even take that as offensive. I didn't know that yeah. I should take it that way. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, listen, I'm, I'm, uh, so I felt like I was like overstepping, like trying to protect them from something that wasn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I get that too. Yeah. That, you know, we're, you know, we're adults here, but I'm, I put into practice what Marissa's saying here. I, like, I don't, I don't, I don't go through and delete comments on my, on my, uh, on my page and shit, but like I had long time, decades long friends from like the Marine Corps mm-hmm. guy that I fucking blocked a guy. Yeah. Cause he was a virulent fucking white genocide freak show. Mm-hmm. And I fucking cut that guy loose. Yeah. So if it gets into that territory. Right. Like I, I think 
blocking someone because they have a Blue Lives Matter sticker is, for me, that would be a little bit knee-jerk. For me, uh, I understand the impulse, but that would be too far. But when someone's being, uh, you know, you had a friend who was saying racist shit, and you fucking cut him loose. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, but there have also been situations where I have met and befriended people on the internet in comment sections. <laughs> like, yeah. That's how I met Jen from Long Beach, for example. On a Fox News comment thread. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I think there are... People just have different preferences, you know? And it is difficult to navigate this territory because you want to protect people. You want to ensure that there is no abuse, right? Um but some people are connected to family members that have abhorrent views and they really struggle with this idea of yeah. maintaining relationships with family members, not alienating themselves from their family and trying to challenge it in a way that maintains the relationship. And I think that really is the hardest thing. You know, you can do things like Marissa is suggesting here to protect your friends on Facebook so that they don't see abusive comments. That's perfectly great. But what what do people do about these situations where they come face to face with family members and they're really struggling yeah. with wanting to maintain their relationships with blood relatives who have hateful views? And I think that that's really hard. Um, so we're still asking for feedback on that issue. If you have some, 657-464-7609 or idoubtit at dollamore.com. All right. Thanks, Marissa. We appreciate it very much. Uh, next call. Hello, Jesse. Hello, Brittany. Slow Mike from Toronto, Canada. With some thoughts about the gentleman that was struggling with family members that have repugnant views that they insist on sharing with you and indeed inflicting on you. Uh, I am a person who had a father who was a Archie Bunker-ish racist bigot. And the shit that would come out of his mouth was just... You, you can't see the look on my face, but it's one of those what-the-fuck kind of things. <laughs> and it's it becomes a matter of trying to separate that part of the person from the rest of the person. And if you can do that, you can make a go of it. But it really comes down to being able to really check yourself and realize I'm not going to change their mind. They're not going to change my mind. So there's really no point in worrying about what comes out of their mouth. Um, and I should, probably should avoid sharing mine because they don't really care what I think either other than to try and prove me wrong. So I'm with you, Jesse, when it comes down to it. At times you just have to decide when is a relationship more toxic than it's worth. And just because I have a genetic uh, commonality with you doesn't mean I have to fucking spend my holidays with you. And if I'm going to put energy into a relationship, I'd rather put it into being around the people I love and feel comfortable with and the rest of the folks. No, you know, it's not a, it's not me being judgmental. It's just realizing, you know, when I checked all my pockets, it turns out I'm completely out of fucks to give about what you think. And I'm pretty sure the feeling is mutual. Um, so life is uncertain. Be with the people you love, be with the people that love you. And the rest of folks, 
can find their destinies elsewhere, I guess. Um, anyhow, promise myself I'd keep this short. Love the show, guys. Uh, all the best. Um, and Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Yeah, I, yeah, I, t- I tend to, I tend to agree. I, I, where I, where I really struggle with this on the giving advice front of things is, just because it is easy or at whatever level of easy it is for me to to cut off a blood relative, I would never want to put that or even encourage that in someone else because family means something different to everybody. Blood means something different to, to, to each person individually. And a lot of times when you sever those relationships, it is a cause of anxiety and harm. In somebody, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advocate for that. Yeah, I mean, you did you did you use the word easy for for your own experience? Well, I said easy, and then I I think I I just kind of watered it down with whatever level of easy it is because it's never easy, right? That's but what but I, because I'm able to do it, yeah. Some people are, are unable to do it, so it is easier for me, yeah. But still, it's not without consequence, right? And I want to say, for, for my experience, my relationships with my family members are not disconnected for primarily political reasons. So that's a kind of a different situation. But even in that case, it wasn't easy for me to do that. Um, Even in the case of you're raised by wolves. Right. It took, it took a lot of work. It took a lot of processing and it took a while for me to realize what was necessary for my own health. Um, and so I don't think that these are decisions that should be made quickly um, when we're feeling angry right after we've had a particularly difficult interaction. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, I think that it's important to reflect on what the likely consequences would be, right? It, it takes time to figure out what is and is not beneficial to our mental health. And like you said, for many people... Um, that grew up in close families, right, with loving relationships with their family members, that's a difficult thing to experience when you start to turn away from the beliefs in which you were raised and you are used to kind of having this loving familial relationship and then things start to change because you are different, right? Um, Or they're doubling down on some terrible shit. Right, Whatever it might be. Yeah, whatever the, <laughs> the confluence of events is. Right, but it is never easy. And a lot of times you just kind of have to get to your rock bottom. Yeah. You know? I think that's that's probably the, 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 the culminating event in for everybody in in everything in addiction every all kinds of shit yeah that you just you're forced to a decision and marissa was painting it as an individual decision versus this decision that should be made on the behalf of marginalized groups and ideally yes we we want to take actions that benefit the most people possible right But in these cases, it really is an individual decision because it's your family. It's a very personal thing to people, you know. Well, and I think people would love to say, listen, if you're not going to support um, LGBTQ groups, for example, I can't be in a relationship with you because I'm taking a stand and I hope that this stand will force you into then accepting and stop oppressing these groups. But that's not going to. 
Right. All that does is force us into our corners. I understand what you're saying. Yes. That's what you're illustrating. Yes. That it's going to force each side into their corner, and then they're over there with their people, and you're over here with your good people, Mm -hmm. and then who the fuck is over there influencing the bad people? There has to be some remaining tethers of relationship in, in some cases. Otherwise, we're fucking doomed as a society. Yes. I will say... I. I think this is a difficult issue for both of us, right? And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel myself going back and forth between my feelings on it, you know? Um, yeah, we've had we've had recently where I said I won't break bread with racists. That's yeah. just a line I'm not going to fucking cross. And I'm okay with that mm-hmm. because I'm not dialed in. I'm not wired in a way mm-hmm. that ha- that I'm... Because I get fucking fired up and pissed off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm throwing furniture. I get pissed fucking... It's not working for me. But some people can tolerate. Some people are more patient mm-hmm. and decent and loving and whatever. Yeah. Nurturing in that way. And they can do that. If you're wired for it, fucking do it because the world needs you to do that. So when you were talking about people going into their separate corners and who's going to be influencing them, that was more of an aspirational idea, not like a genuine, like speaking from your own experience. Absolutely. Okay. No. <laughs> Ideally, we would have a bunch of uh, Chris Hoffs mm-hmm. or Mark Trailers out there who, who can have a just this empathetic loving smile on their face while they're dealing with some of the worst of the worst yeah and really trying to change hearts and minds that's not in me mm-hmm. that's not my skill set yeah <laughs> it's not that i'm noble and awesome because i won't have i won't break bread with braces that's yeah. not what i'm saying it's yeah. a, it's almost like a fucking flaw like i wish i was able to because i think i might be able to make a difference but i have to check about my mental health and I, there's no fucking way man yeah, and you have in the past painted me um, in the category of like a Chris Hoff or Mark, Tra- Mark Trailer, and I'm really not well, because but I more also than me. Th- that's what I mean. Yes, but I'm also I struggle very much, and that's why a lot of the conversations happen via internet forums because I can edit them and take out the naughty oh, words yeah. before I push them. No, that's for sure true. Shit. Um, but if it does happen in person and sometimes it has, I, I get pretty you get a little red face. I get angry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm very fair. So pretty much anything your, makes my face red. Why is your skin really splotchy right now? Yeah. It's called fucking rage. Well, the wind blows. The wind blows and then <laughs> I start blushing. So anyway. So anyway, listen, we are absolutely still seeking submissions and advice about this. Do we have an email about it or are we moving on? No, we're moving on. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We have an email here on transubstantiation. Hey guys, I listened to episode 536 today, and as you requested, I thought I'd chime in. Hopefully, this is what you were looking for. I had not only the misfortune of being raised Catholic, but attending parochial school through fifth grade as well. The school was always changing its mind about students' mass attendance, but we had to sit through mass at least twice during each school week. Sounds like a good time. (laughs) That was my addition. I'm sorry. Did it double as PE with all the kneeling and standing and... Arm waving and... Probably. Yeah. (laughs) 
We had first confession and communion in second grade, unless you went to public school and only had catechism. Then they made you wait until third. This was a big deal. We had prayers to learn by heart, weekly classes with the priest, the doctrine in our religious books and tests, both written and oral, to make sure we knew it all. We knew beyond doubt that the priest was changing bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. I even remember wondering if the bread or body would taste gross or be bloody. Wow. So, go ahead. Finish. Our teachers and priests (laughs) made sure we were not only worthy in spirit to eat Jesus, but that we understood Catholic doctrine as well. Random non sequitur, does communion wine become non-alcoholic during transubstantiation? Blood isn't generally considered alcohol, so wouldn't it follow that the wine is suitable for consumption by children, except that it's blood? Sorry, anyway, moving on. I'm 41, so this was 33 or so years ago. If I can remember all this as a non-Catholic for almost 20 of those years, you would think that someone who embraces their Catholic faith and receives communion every week would as well. Granted, we forget a lot of what we learn in school, but this is such an important tenet of the faith, I don't understand how practitioners can forget. If I remember correctly, it's because of their belief in transubstantiation that non-Catholics are not welcome to receive communion during Mass, their doctrines aren't the same. I don't know how other schools, churches, or even RCIA handle their preparation First Communion, a right of Christian innovation for adults, is what that stands for, nah, I don't know. and can only speak to my own experience. I tried really hard to keep snark out of this and think I did fairly well. I'm a little (laughs) amused having typed this all out and seeing how ridiculous it sounds in black and white. In any case, I hope this shed a little light on your questions. As always, Brittany is the best part. Popeye is a close second. Much love, Amber. Love the show. Brittany is the best part. Bye. Well, what's interesting is uh, Justin, who emailed us last time or Mm -hmm. called in last time. Yeah. About transubstantiation, which again is a is a is a reminder is the doctrine in the Catholic faith that when you take the communion wafer and the wine, that it physically changes into the body and blood of Jesus Christ in your stomach. That it literally does. That it's not some figurative like oh yeah, this is what it it symbolizes. No, it does. It changes. And um, he pushed back on it. In, in what he even described as a pedantic response on Twitter, he, he reached out and sent us a link. And the link, come on, Justin, the link that you, that you're, that you're pulling your argument from and that you even quoted in your, in your, I believe in the voicemail and certainly in the tweet is from some Catholic organization that's defending their position. National, it says this at the top, National Catholic Reporter, the independent news source. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, if you're going to try to present an argument, or not try to, that was dickish, if you're going to present an argument that's supposed to be unbiased or unfettered from the influences of bias, don't take it from the fucking... The, what here's what the Catholics said. Well, of course they're going to defend their position. Of course. But in so in Justin's tweet, he said, "I maintain that wording a question properly, even if it's on an un- unscientific religious belief, is important." Yeah, but that's the issue and, they took with in the article, right? And I I also agree with Justin on that that the wording of a question is very important for the result that you are going to get on that survey. Absolutely. But I did not find the article convincing. Yeah, but saying that in the introduction of your issue with the the, the question indicates saying that, uh, well, you know, the way it's worded really matters. What that indicates is you believe there was a problem with the way the Pew uh, poll was, was, was framed. And it, we just don't know that it was. I, I do think that... 
so one of the suggestions or one of the things that they talked about in here is that in previous studies, the question would have been framed as something like, uh, the bread and wine are only symbols of the body and blood of Christ. Like saying only symbols rather than do you think it is a sim- do you think it is symbolic or do you think it actually turns into the bread and body, right? Yeah. So the difference of saying do you believe it is symbolic or do you believe these are only symbols, right? And people might hear that and think, okay, that's like a slight change. It's really actually pr- a pretty big change, making it more specific. Um, but still, I'm not totally convinced that surveying Catholics on this that when they read is it symbolic or do i actually believe like those are the two options they have that they can't figure out what's actually being asked yeah right it seems pretty standard english especially given what amber just said right and i'm not going to generalize her experience to all of the catholics and she didn't do that either right she said this is just my experience i I think she said i'm the spokesman for all catholics on earth (laughs) isn't that what she said that's not what she said (laughs) nope amber is super reasonable and awesome she did not say that all right well let's move on we got one more email and then we've got a little bit to cover relative to the crazy week in trump hey guys love the show i appreciate both of you i just moved back to idaho i was born and raised in north idaho we even share a few friends oh so i was raised around guns and have a few That being said, I do feel the need for stricter gun laws, but that is not the reason for writing. I am writing because I am currently listening to episode 534. What? 534? You're behind. Behind. Done reading the email. Move on. No, I'm going to (laughs) continue. And heard you talking about people carrying guns to be the hero. I do feel like there is a 0.1% chance that someone with a gun and the training to use it can make a difference and actually be helpful in an emergency situation. My problem is the 90% of people who carry a sidearm are totally clueless. This is the situation I ran into this past weekend. I took my daughter with me to a grocery store in Middleton, Idaho on Saturday. We were walking around grocery store shopping and there was a kid, I would say, 19 to 20 years old. He was walking around with a semi-automatic pistol holstered on one hip and a magazine holder with two clips on the other hip. These were not concealed in any way. They were on his belt with his shirt tucked in for everyone to see. Now, I'm not military, nor do I really have a formal firearm training. And I know while walking in that grocery store, there were at least four times that I could have taken the gun from him. He was doing things like walking in the store while holding a watermelon on his shoulder. This was leaving his gun totally open for anyone to grab it. In this situation, someone who actually thinks they can be a hero is actually putting more people in danger. I really feel like everyone in that store had easy access to a gun on that day. This fucking moron thought he was doing his part to be a hero, but he was really giving anyone in that grocery store the chance to be an active shooter. Thanks for all you do, Will. Well, Will, um, thank you for the email. We... uh we live in California, so some of the rules that apply in Idaho, specifically, don't apply here. For instance, you can't open what's called open carry in California like you can in Idaho. And you don't even need a license or a permit to do so, like in Idaho, in Utah, in Texas. There's a lot of states in, the, in America, usually in the West. Uh, I'm sure there's some in the South that you don't have to... You don't have to have a permit. You just, if it's open, tucked in shirt, the, the, the firearm is in plain sight, you can do that. Um, I do, I would say that the, the percentage is more than 0.1% of some people who could actually tactically take down um, a mass shooter. I think, you know, it's not large, 
Because you need intensive training. And I'm not going to get down into the weeds in that. But I agree 100%, Kathy. I agree, completely (laughs) agree, that there are too many people who... Who, who, who want to take on this like Punisher vigilante kind of a fucking thing where, I, oh, yeah, I'm going to be able to. No, you're not. Jason Bourne. No. Yeah, exactly. No, you're not. You're not a fucking. You're not Bond, James Bond. You're just a fucking goof buying wa- watermelons in Walmart. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. And listen, I get it. I'm completely vulnerable to that, too. I watch Jason Bourne and I totally want to grab a book and start punching someone behind the book with it against their face. I I, love that scene. Super awesome. I get really excited and all jazzed. (laughs) But I I have the awareness to understand that I can never be Jason Bourne. No matter how badly I I want to be Jason Bourne, I I will never be Jason Bourne. I watch The Goonies and Mm -hmm. I want to go on fucking treasure hunts. (laughs) just, Just find me a map and I'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna find some fucking pirate ships yeah well we all have different interests jesse d we all have different interests and passions so uh, listen we're gonna have to get past this as a culture and um, i hope so i really think that that banning assault weapons is is i don't have as much a problem with handguns they're certainly a problem and there's certainly loose ownership rules like for instance you can buy them federally you cannot buy them at age 21 but if you go to a private gun seller, you can buy them at 18, unless it's restricted by the state laws. But state laws are a lot tougher to, because of the, anyway, it's a fucking mess. We got a goddamn mess right now. And Republicans are cowards in the face of very solvable problems. At least problems that maybe if they're not completely solvable are, are able to be mitigated. Yeah. We're never going to eliminate murder. Mm-hmm. We're never going to em- eliminate the kind of uh, of damage that we see from assholes and terrorists and sick people. We're not. We're just not. But we can do a job to fucking make it less. Mm-hmm. That should be the goal. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll never solve that. So let's not even address it. Fuck you. I love my country too much. Anyway, let's let's move on on that note. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We would like to thank each and every one of our beautiful Patreon supporters. We could not do this without you. We are still updating the studio. We just actually got um, new studio chairs. Yeah, they are comfortable. Discounted. We rolled one of them out. It was the floor. Um sample floor the floor model yeah floor model and that's what i'm sitting in because of germs no that's <laughs> that's exactly why <laughs> um but we're super excited because they are very comfortable and i feel like i could sit here and do this all day yeah it really does take the stress out of you know having a, a dedicated spot it's fucking solid so yeah. Uh, we, we thank you guys for all the support, all the loyalty, all your listenership. It's a beautiful thing. We think we're building here and we're very thankful and happy to have you along with us. Absolutely. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Let's talk about last week. 
with uh, the President of the United States of America, the noble, heroic, triumphant president that we have, mm-hmm. who only received 60 million votes. You ever looked that up? Before the show, Brittany was like, how many people voted for Donald Trump? I was like, ah, I think it's like 60 million people. If that doesn't send you into fucking spiraling depression, I don't know what will. Because that is goddamn ridiculous. Almost 63 million. 63 million people. Goddamn. I didn't look it up. Um, I just did now. But I didn't want to because it made me feel... You feel even worse than now, even three three more million? Yeah, it's really upsetting. Not great. Anyway, this this last week, and I don't know, I always try to like pinpoint in my brain, what exactly is the catalyst that's sending Donald Trump into these different rages? Is it the, the intractable situation that we're facing economically right now with an impending, um, we're staring down the barrel of the recession gun? Is that it? Or is it that uh, he's facing a... a the, the the trip to the G7. Like, what is it that's making him go off the rails? But this week, and really only Wednesday, we're going to talk about, he went nutty as fuck. He, he, he tweeted that, do you have the tweet? He tweeted this tweet from a guy named Wayne Allen Root, who used to be like a, a tried to put himself out there as a sports betting um, expert. He was on the Financial News Network, which was the precursor to CNBC before in, uh, NBC bought it because it went bankrupt. And he tweeted all this nutty shit about Donald Trump being the second coming of God and that Israel, the, the Israelis love him like he's the king of Israel. I mean, just the nuttiest shit imaginable that you wouldn't retweet because you're president of the United States and it doesn't make any fucking sense. And you don't want to align yourself with conspiratorial batshit crazy opinions. But we don't live in a world with a president like that. In the alternate universe we live in, Donald Trump tweets that. He he endorses that message. I talked about it in a video, and a lot of the people in the comments were like, you know, that wasn't, that was a retweet. Well, first of all, it wasn't a retweet. It was him quoting Wayne Allen Root. So he said, and that was a good, impressive way to stall. I was almost worried about it. I don't think you breathed. I don't think you took a breath that entire time. I had a lot to say while you looked up the tweet. Quote. Because by the way, he's been he's been tweeting like fifty times a fucking day too. Yeah, I couldn't. So you had to go all the way down the list. No, I had to Google. I had to Google a separate search because I went to his page. I scrolled all the way down, yeah. and he tweets. He does like fifty times a day. It's I was scrolling and scrolling yeah. and scrolling, and I was only on two days ago. Yeah. <laughs> he's like a sixteen-year-old kid. Yeah. I listen. I was a jury duty. I was in the grand jury, and your and phone's just blowing up. Well, he tweeted that. And I'm like, ah, I, I gotta talk about that. So that's when yesterday when I said I was walking from a coffee shop to the courthouse yeah i wrote a script on my iphone yeah just not aware of your surroundings yeah at all. right that's that's what i was talking with about. your privilege it was that yeah okay yeah. let's that, read the tweet, let's read the tweet. <laughs> for the love of god let's read the tweet <laughs> quote thank you to wayne allen root for the very nice words quote wait why did he quote that yeah he starts it as a quote okay he's a fucking idiot anyway, that's why so quote we have a goddamn dullard as president new quote <laughs> President Trump is the greatest president for Jews and for Israel in the history of the world, not just America. He is the best president for Israel in the history of the world. And the Jewish people in Israel love him like he's the king of Israel. 
They love him like he is the second coming of God. But American Jews don't know him or like him. They don't even know what they're doing or saying anymore. It makes no sense. But that's okay. If he keeps doing what he's doing, he's good for all Jews, blacks, gays, everyone. And importantly, he's good for everyone in America who wants a job. End quote. Wow. Newsmax, Fox and Friends, One America News Network is what he tagged. Yeah, Donald Trump tagged them. Yeah. F- Fox and Friends... One America News, which is where Tommy Lahren got her start, and Newsmax, which is where now Wayne Allen Root works, which is a conspiracy right-wing nutter-butter news site. Well, One America News, if you have ever turned it on, um, it is like the robot dystopian version of Fox News, where it's just like, I can't even describe, it. it looks like... A fake news set, but with like more robotic figures working on it. Yeah, for me, can I can describe it in my Jesse D way? Yeah. So for me, it's kind of like when whatever birthed Fox News, whatever monstrosity, when the afterbirth slid out, that's what became One American News. Fox News was the baby, mm-hmm. and then when the when the the grody <laughs> bloody. Just afterburst, like, bleh, slid out. <laughs> That's what One American News is. Oh. Fox News is the horrible insanity, mm-hmm. the insane child. Mm-hmm. And then One American News is like, One American News is like if we, we produced a news program in here. Like, it's so, it's low budget, man. Yeah, very low budget. But apparently the president loves it. Um, Shocker. So now, but now he's going after Jewish people. That's what he's doing. Yeah. And he went further, actually. And he was speaking in the Oval Office and he was talking about Jews who vote for Democrats. And he said, quote, well, he said they, quote, either have a total lack of knowledge or great disloyalty. Yeah. Which is a listen. So reiterating what uh, Wayne Allen Root said, and you said that people were trying to defend it, saying it was just a retweet. Well, he's doubling down on it. He's going further. Well, the loyalty, the loyalty uh, litmus test for Jews against whatever national na- nation they live in. When people say, "Oh, you don't break, don't compare Trump to Hitler," this is what Hitler did. This is how he started his propaganda campaign. Jews, they're not loyal to Germany. They have loyalties elsewhere, but not to Germany. That's what Donald Trump is doing. Because Donald Trump also believes that if you're not loyal to him, you're not loyal to America. Not if you're not loyal to the president's, the presidency. If you're not loyal to him, to President Donald Trump, you're not loyal to the country. Donald Trump would say, I am disloyal to my nation. Who cares that you served in the Marine Corps? You're not, you don't like me, so you're not a good American. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's putting that on on Jews in America who don't largely do not support him. Mm -hmm. But this whole king of Israel, king of the Jews, ultimately, is what they're saying. Yeah. Second coming of God. Mm -hmm. That's Jesus. That's what Christians believe. There will be a second coming. Not Donald Trump. Jesus Christ. And then later in the day. He fucking called himself the chosen one, which now he's walking back. Oh, I was just joking, everybody. He also pointed at the sky. Yeah, looks up at the sky. Ah, I'm the chosen one. Like when the uh, eclipse happened. Remember, he looked up in the sky without the glasses on. It was a little like that. (laughs) It's a very, very apt analogy. Mm -hmm. We are winning against China. 
They've lost two and a half million jobs in a very short period of time. They want to make a deal. It's got to be a deal that's good for the United States. They want to make a deal. Probably we will make a deal. But if I didn't do that, and I'm not doing this. Somebody said it's Trump's trade war. This isn't my trade war. This is a trade war that should have taken place a long time ago by a lot of other presidents. Over the last five or six years, China's made $500 billion. $500 billion. Ripped it out of the United States. And not only that, if you take a look, intellectual property theft. Add that to it. And add a lot of other things to it. So somebody, excuse me, somebody had to do it. I am the chosen one. Somebody had to do it. So I'm taking on China. I'm taking on China on trade. And you know what? We're winning. I'm the fucking chosen one. Again, let's do the exercise. What if Barack Obama had said, I am the chosen one? Evangelical Christians' heads would be fucking exploding all across the country. If Barack Obama wrote the words, whether he was quoting someone or not, saying that I am the king of the Jews, I am king of Israel, and I am the second coming of God. Riots. Are you fucking insane what would happen? Riots. There, I really, I, you know, I said that they would storm the gates of the White House. I don't know that that's far from the truth. Well, Robert Jeff Jeffress, is that his name? Yes. Oh, the ding dong pastor. Yeah, I'll tell you what. He would not be going on Fox and Friends to praise or defend that. Yeah. Franklin Graham. Uh-huh. After he had sex with the pool boy, with his wife, he would be calling for the head of Barack Obama. Um, Let's go ahead and... Allegedly. Let's do a drop. No, let's not bat drop. <laughs> The views and opinions I mean, expressed that by Jesse too, Dolamore but... are solely those of Jesse Dolamore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. I don't think that's the drop you were looking for. Is that what I'm hearing? No, it was not. Allegedly. Okay, that one's better. And also, <laughs> that was never, I mean, that was kind of like floated, right? But I think more the accusation was like he and his wife had a, a, an odd relationship. With the yeah, because boy. they loaned him a bunch of money, like millions of dollars. Yeah, and I a guy they met who was literally a pool boy right. at a resort. It wasn't ever reported in the well, terms well, that you just suggested. I'm, but just, I'm being a dick. I don't think it's. I don't know that it's real. Well, we like to have facts on here, so I'm just giving some facts and some background for those who may be like extremely confused because they didn't hear about any of this. Because allegedly, that's perfect. Yes, More. allegedly, just all of those would be great. Uh, let. Jed Lee. I'll wrap myself in those like a weighted blanket. (laughs) Help my anxiety. So, uh, Donald Trump. I am the chosen one. Good times. Uh, The other thing, and I don't listen. I I don't. I don't know uh, where this Greenland shit. Greenland. Greenland. I don't know where this Redland stuff is coming from. I don't know where the Greenland stuff is coming from. Yosemite. It just. Out of the blue. For me, this seems like the ultimate distraction, so I'm not really going to talk about it. But obviously, there was a dust-up where he called the the Prime Minister of Denmark uh, a nasty woman again. Oh, she's very nasty. Because she doesn't want to fucking sell Greenland. Also, because she's a woman. He doesn't really use those terms for men. Yeah, just it's just fucking ridiculous. 
anyway, there are reports also, by the way, that he won. He was joking about um, swapping Puerto Rico for Greenland. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. He is just a disgusting fucking tool. Mm-hmm. It really. We're gonna also it there. understands how the world works. Yeah. Yeah. Firm grasp on yeah. how it, things work. Greenland's a country. I mean, mm-hmm. it might be a territory of Denmark, but they don't have the right to sell it. Mm-hmm. It's, it has its own government. Yeah. Well, let's just do a switcheroo anyway. You know, everyone it's likes a switcheroo. The old switcheroo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's 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 recognized by international law. Yeah. It's called the switcheroo. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves it. Let's do it. Everyone loves the switcheroo. All right. Well, we're going to leave you there. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us twice a week or as often as you can find the time to do so. If you would like to support the show, help us keep the lights on, expand our programming, if you will. Go to dollamore.com slash Patreon. And there you can pick your tier you know, two bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, one million. Well, that would be a, <laughs> we'd be top tier Patreon people. Mm-hmm. There then. you go, Jeff Bezos. If, if there's any, if there's any, uh, I wonder if like one of the Coke brothers, whichever one just croaked, put us in his will. Oh, that'd be a, that would be really nice. A little endowment for, uh, for the, I doubt it with Dollamore operation. Yeah. Like a fuck you kind of message with lots of money. I love those. <laughs> Yeah. Trying to make us feel guilty or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I would not feel guilty. I don't think I would either. I'd be like, oh, yoink. Thank you. <laughs> you don't have to go yoink when it's given to you. Mm, I'd still say yoink. <laughs> yeah. Got to add that in there. Right. So at least you feel like you're, right. you know, right. <laughs> stealing it or something. Stop. Stop. <laughs> We're ending the show and I'm dying. Okay. We love you guys. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, coughing my guts out, and this has been I Doubt It. Yoink. <laughs> <laughs> I was pulling the plug. <laughs> <laughs>